Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bredos. This is episode 135. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a friend across the border. That's right, our international audience. We love you. And we're going to get much more international content, especially to our friends north of the border very soon in Canada. Check out the Soccer OG on my YouTube page. My name is Max Bretos. Got a new video out there with regards to the latest rumblings with U.S. soccer. Obviously, Brian McBride is out. Certainly feels like more changes are imminent. Jose Mourinho has been mentioned as a possible candidate. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. And also about the big goal by Gio Reyna and how that plays into all of this. Because it does. It does. And I'll tell you how. That's on the Soccer OG on YouTube. We will talk a little bit about that on Stoppage Time. Uh, a Leander Shaylakins, who uh, writes for The Ringer, had an interesting article about how no one wants the job for U.S. soccer. I'll tell you why they do. Not everybody, obviously. And U.S. soccer would have to budge. But we'll also talk a bit about that. And we'll have a little preview for, in particular, the game on Wednesday night as the USA plays Serbia. We have the game over the weekend against Colombia as well. In the business end, we'll continue this little mini stretch of MLS coaches. We'll talk to Ben Olsen, who is just a legend of the U.S. game. If you know Ben, you love him. He's one of a kind. He's taking over a Dynamo club that I find very interesting. We'll see what they are doing down there in South Texas. The Soccer OG Podcast. It begins right now. Joining you here from the Bretos Ponderosa. Studio One, and you know, it's just like it's nondescript mid January Monday, and this transfer market's in- insane. I mean, we've never seen anything like this, right? All these teams, specifically in England, trying to get better, and it could be at the top of the ladder, it could be at the bottom, certainly in the middle. You know, you have middle clubs like Aston Villa and Leeds. <laughs> which we're going to talk about because I'm sitting here and all this is starting to break. So I'm recording this on uh, uh, Tuesday. Sorry, it's not Monday. It's Tuesday. And all this Weston McKinney to lead says like he's ready to go. And now they're just agreeing on paperwork, etc. And he could be heading to Leeds United, which is just stunning as an American to see this. You already have the coach. Just the coach alone is stunning. And then to have two players, two starters, and now a third, it, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking because you know this absolutely cannot go wrong. Can't go wrong. <laughs> if it does, we take a big step back. If it goes okay, we're good. If it goes well, look out, baby. And I think, you know, Jesse Marsh, there was some hot water. Some Leeds United fans are upset and to be expected. But they never, I mean, there was so many teams in, in more precarious situations. When you consider the, the situation they're in, got a nice point over the weekend. And Weston McKinney, that's to beat signatures from clubs like Arsenal. There was a, uh, you know, there, someone was saying he's not good enough for Arsenal. And for, quite frankly, he would not start at Arsenal. But if I could pick a club for Weston McKinney, it would be Arsenal. For him to experience what they're going through this year, he would probably come in for whomever those three midfielders needed a break, whether it's Thomas Partey, Martin Odegaard, or Granit Xhaka. I guess he could play a little elevated, but you know, there's going to be minutes for him as a very good player, technical midfielder off the bench for one of those guys. 
So that's the one I would like. I'd love because we the World Cup's behind us. So we don't have to prepare for the World Cup. Leeds is obviously exciting because this saturation point of American soccer. And you know, everyone's coming to the Premier League. But by the way, the the when I look at the Leeds situation and where he's gonna play, the most the most likely spot is ahead of Brendan Aronson, I think. You know, that's a, that's an interesting one. I mean, they haven't gotten a lot of goals. And, you know, Jack Harrison and, you know, when he's ready to go, Rodrigo, these are players that um, should stay put. You know, Jack Harrison comes on and off the bench. We'll, we'll see what they do. I don't know. It could be. But I immediately think Brendan Aronson, at least his minutes will go down a little bit. I, you know, I've been watching. I watched the return of the Bundesliga. Good to see that you know Bundes uh, Bayern Munich are still within touch. I, I, I turn into Wolfsburg games to see Kevin Paredes, and I'm watching Wolfsburg just score it, it, just at will. But this Premier League, no one's really touching them right now, right? And this Arsenal story. I mean, that Arsenal Man United game, just unbelievable, just riveted. Everyone was upset because you know we had Chelsea Liverpool, which would normally be the game you would watch over this weekend. Then it was Arsenal Man United, which was a big game, but you wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season. They set a Premier League viewership record, averaged 1.92 million viewers. Let's just call it two million. Telemundo had 382,000, which was their second highest. You put that all together, and the streaming and all—that's uh, a huge. That's great for the sport here. And then NBC did another incredible job down there at their fan fest. Uh, I'm I just overwhelmed with what they have done, and no stone unturned. Just really smart from pillar to post. I always wanted to be part of that NBC coverage, but I, I they, whatever decision they made were the right ones. Unbelievable. So uh, you know Arsenal now this incredible story. Will they maintain? There's an there's an American connection. That's why I want Matt Turner there, even if he's the backup. Don't go anywhere, Matt. Don't ask for a not that he did for a transfer to get some minutes. Stay where you are. This is magic. I mean that place was hopping at the Emirates. I remember when they used to play at Highbury. We do the games there at Fox Soccer Channel. Bundesliga, we'll talk about it a little later because I want to address it as part of the stoppage time about the big picture of the United States. Gio Reyna scoring a goal, his celebration, you know, dividing the American soccer landscape. Uh, but we'll talk about that in stoppage time and stick around the interview with Ben Olsen, uh, Houston Dynamo. He's a fun guy. I, I look forward to it. And that's what Pablo and I'm going to try and get more of this because uh, I'd love to go talk to all the coaches. It's just I'm going through my Rolodex, kind of getting this. But you're really going to enjoy that conversation, so stick around for that. As we're getting ready for MLS, I did want to tell everybody, and I know some people with LAFC, I mentioned how I will be joining the MLS Season Pass Apple TV broadcasts, um, getting more information every day. I'll share that with you at some point. I also want to let you know I will be remaining with LAFC Monday you know, during the week, part of their content team, which is for Apple TV. And so it all comes together. It's like a perfect plan. That's never happened in my career. So this is the first time. So I'm a very content person. And I get to do this and be here with you. So uh, uh, you'll still see that excellent LAFC content. We were actually brainstorming for it today. I'm excited about that. And this is a, the, the offseason for Major League Soccer is really interesting too. I mean, all these moves and 
uh, are, are occurring. And I am a, we need a, I was going to pitch that to Apple TV. I said last week, we need a transfer deadline, et cetera, show. Although the, the, the deadline's not approaching like it is in Europe. I did want to talk about something that happened that, uh, and Sam Stayskull of The Athletic wrote about it. Jean Duran, the first real breakthrough of the MLS Under-22 initiative, brought, bought for $2 million in the January of 2021 from Envigado in Colombia, and now they're going to make about a $15 million profit, $18 million to Aston Villa. I mean, this is what happened to MLS. You get pennies for the dollar for players, and now they're doing it to some of these South American players, which is fine because it's a pathway for these Colombians in particular. So many good young Colombian, Dylan Borrero, young Colombian players here in this country uh, for Major League Soccer and, and in Canada as well. So, uh, you know, this is unbelievable. And he goes to Aston Villa, Juan Pablo Angel. I saw this great message for him. And Juan, Juan Pablo Angel, I think he was the only Colombian in the Premier League back in the, when he was playing, maybe one of three or four pro, high profile Colombians in any of the major leagues. It's changed so quickly. And now Chicago Fire and MLS, this is, it's paying off. There's been some that have fallen flat, but there's some good ones out there. Uh, Dan Jovic will be playing for Serbia as one of them. Uh, Santi Moreno, Jose Cifuentes. There's, there's, uh, it's going to keep churning. But that is, it, it's so exciting. And to England, to Villa, you know, the Premier League is the Super League. I just, my, I'm in awe of what's going on there. And it used to be the top clubs. It's all the clubs. Better spend, or you'll be left in the dust. Soccer OG podcast. We're going to get to the business end. I mean, we'll, coming up at stoppage time, we'll have a lot to talk about uh, the state of U.S. soccer right now and uh, where it's going. We heard about Brian McBride, what's going to happen next, and kind of plug into some of what's going on with the players as well. It's super interesting, and we have some games on the horizon. We're looking forward to that. I will be out there Wednesday at BMO Stadium for the United States and Serbia. So if you're in there, uh, say hello. We walk by. But this is the Soccer OG Podcast. Download, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, to see me in living color. But right now, it is the business end. Ben Olsen of the Houston Dynamo. We are back here on the business end and now joined by Ben Olsen, who is uh, beginning his first season with the Houston Dynamo. And Ben... uh, we're, we're, the, you're learning about Houston weather, I take it, because the power went out at the, uh, the the facilities. You're joining me here from your car, and I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that. That is going the extra mile. Only for you would I be driving under a tornado watch warning, Max. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I We used to do a lot of Dynamo games, and that's why I love I, I love that, that club, because uh, it's history, I, and I know it's it's – there's a rebirth of sorts, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But it, it's it is a club with a uh, a lot of clout and equity. And I remember broadcasting games down there, and there was one in particular where we were we we're doing our desk, and they went to us, and we had the fans. It was at Robertson Stadium. This weather came in and wiped out everything, and we went we threw to the studio. And when he came back, the stadium was empty because the weather was so bad. Everyone got out in like five seconds took off our tent, and we were soaking wet. It was really good TV. But that's when I realized what some of the weather you get down there in Houston. It's great. And then 10 minutes later, the sun comes out and <laughs> it dries it up. And, uh, and then it's like, what happened? So it's great. I, I tell you what, you know, I'm, I'm an East Coast guy, as you know. 
uh, Pennsylvania and been in DC for quite a while in my life, but uh, I'm really enjoying Texas. I, I really enjoy in Houston. I have the same kind of respect uh, that, that you have for the Dynamo and their history. And it's one of the reasons why I, I'm here. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been through the league for a long time to remember uh, some of those teams uh, that, that had such success and, you know, kind of admired them from afar and the uh, kind of the, the, the winning mentality that those old school teams had. Uh, and we'd like to get back to some of that here in Houston. Well, as someone from the outside, I, I could see what's going on there. And it's exciting, certainly, um, as we'll, we'll start broadcasting more and hopefully a lot of Dynamo games on the Apple TV MLS season pass. By the way, you were, you were making real headway in your bar- broadcast career. And now this big pivot back into coaching. What's going on, dude? Well, what happened is I tried television and I realized very quickly that I better get back to coaching because uh, I didn't have much of future in uh, that's for, not for, true for broadcasting. It was great. I tell you what, I and I, I, I got a, a real appreciation for what you know you've done all your life and, and, and others and how hard it is to be on that other side uh, in so many ways. And I, I, you know, thanks for that. I was growing a little bit and I'm feeling more comfortable. Uh, but this opportunity came and um, it was it was I was really uh, looking forward to getting back on the field. And over the last uh, couple of weeks, I've just been I've been thrilled just to be back uh, yelling and screaming and building and team leading. And it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be right now. It's great. Well, be- before we get into that, and I'll just say this unsolicited, that uh, one of the big tricks in broadcasting to be very good is you have to be the same person off camera and on camera. And the Ben Olsen I saw off camera and the one I'm talking to now was by and large the same one you saw uh, on the screen. So you got, that's the hardest part and you got that down pat. So well, I, don't I rule it out it. in the future. I won't, I won't, I won't, thanks. <laughs> so uh, this, the, the, this Dynamo, obviously we always hear, well, actually let me start a little bit because I wanted to talk to you because you seem like you flourish in this coaching role with your your time in DC United. I remember you as a player and obviously very few people enjoyed playing as much as you did when we, we would watch you at the effort, et cetera. And, uh, but w- when did you know that coaching was something that you would be so fond of? Because you, it, 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 you, you came in almost as a player into the coaching ranks and I can hear it in your voice that this is something that you just can't wait to get into. Three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and, and I, I joke about that, but for the, you know, I never wanted to be a coach. You, you know, this story I've told a million times. I did not want to be a coach. I needed a job. I, I was a little bit forced into retirement. I had the 10 surgeries on my ankles, and I just wasn't moving well anymore, and I needed a, uh, to do something. And I, there was an offer to be an assistant coach, and I took it. And, uh, you know, six months later, they let go of Kurt Anolfo unfairly. And they needed a coach, so they threw me in. And I was swimming for years. And it was a really tough way to go about learning the job. Uh, you know, it was, you know, again, thrown into the deep end. Uh, eventually, I got my footing and figured out a little bit who I was as a leader, blah, blah, blah. But And then as, as it went towards the end of my tenure at D.C., you know, I got a little burned out. And I was in the same place for so long. And it was just, you need I needed to step away. I stepped away. I, I tried some different things. You mentioned television. I was with the spirit on the women's game in a presidential role, in a, a GM role as well. I dabbled in the arts. I, I painted. 
uh, for a, a good portion of that time in a studio. So I really needed to just step away to, um, and I didn't know why I needed to step away, but I think I stepped away uh, looking back uh, for, to, to appreciate what uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm here to do. And that's, that's coach and be involved in a locker room and uh, hopefully be a, a good leader to the Houston Dynamo. Well, that's great, great news for all involved because uh, just the wealth of knowledge you've developed as a player, now as a coach, very valuable, certainly in our MLS ecosystem. And as we touched on before, the Dynamo, intriguing. I love their park down there. And, you know, they had the success of the old stadium and now the, to, to the, the prospects of maybe reconnecting with that fan base, which has it's been going on with some big signings last season, which are coming over here. I know with you, um, you're really proud about the uh, the turnover as well with the assistant coaches and the staff. You brought a very select group here to help you with this this project, for lack of a better word. What, what can you say about the, the group that's helping you out to, to bring Houston back to uh, its prominence? Uh, from a player standpoint, staff, both, what, what, what specifically? Let's where start with at? the coaches, but then we'll get – I would like to get in the players. Yeah. So I'll start with Pat Onstead, um, who you, you know well and I know well and has been around the game as long as anybody. Uh, we coached together uh, in D.C. And uh, so we have a, a good relationship. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't going to come back in the league unless it was a situation where it was, it was people that I respected and I knew I could work with, uh, but also – disagree with and challenge. And, and, and uh, I think Pat and I have a really good relationship and hopefully uh, that will continue, but uh, hopefully we can push each other to get better and, and help change this culture. Asher Mendelson, the sporting director has been great. He's a really good compliment to me. I think we have, uh, we see the game in a, in a similar way. Uh, we have different attributes uh, in, in skill sets on, on how we lead. So that, I think that's a real positive. Uh, and we've built a staff. I didn't come here with any, staff from before and uh, it was a, a tricky process to get people mm. to come and buy into what we're selling here uh, I, I've it wasn't as easy as I thought so we really looked for guys that were hungry and excited about this challenge and no, no make no mistake it is a challenge it's a big challenge to change a culture uh, that that's been a little bit of a losing one for a, a decade and try to transform this thing not only on the field but uh, in the in the Houston Sports Park uh, and and within the fans and and the the city you know trying to get this to be a sustainable winning culture again it's a big challenge so some were some weren't up for it and some were and we we found a good crew Aurelian Collin who you know sure uh, who was a, a big personality played for. KC and the Red Bulls and, and Philly knows the league really well. A big personality comes in, speaks five different language uh, languages. So it's important. We've got guys from Morocco and, and uh, speak French. And we got plenty of uh, Spanish speaking players, uh, Portuguese players. And he speaks all these languages. So he's a, he's a, a great, great asset for the club. And he's also going to work with the defenders. A Dean Osman basic, has been an academy coach, a uh, real sharp guy, nicknamed the professor. He's a guy that really sees the X's and O's for us and uh, helps with uh, opponent analysis and, and planning game sessions or uh, sessions uh, for the group. And um, who else? We brought um, uh, Brendan Burke from the USL. He, he's a head coach, experienced GM, 
So he brings a whole nother skill set. So we've handpicked the, the, a crew that I, I think is, is uh, well, well positioned to support me. And man, I need a lot of support. And I, I always tell these guys that I do what I do, but I need a lot of guys around me to support and fill in my voids, uh, fill in my holes. And again, I have plenty. The selection on, on that basis is huge. And I've always seen it with, with LAFC and working for other clubs that you could see how important that is. And I, I, you mentioned Pat Odstad and Aurelian Collin and uh, Brendan and these guys that have come in and the know-how of the American game, you know, people always feel about this transition about we're moving into a more global game. We are, but that you always see success when that MLS know-how is that foundation. Uh, I saw it with Colorado when they finished first in the West. I think we saw that uh, in, in a lot of other clubs, which it's, it's a necessity. Sounds like a good crew. And now you're going to be looking over these players. And before we, we get into the group, because I was very active, very selective winter market for you guys, uh, a, a big turnover in, in personnel. One guy who's returning, we saw him in Qatar is Hector Herrera. Now you've had some chance to, to spend some time with him and uh, how, he's going to get a full training camp, which is huge. But how do you see, uh, the the value of a full season for a guy who's is going to be the face for that club for many in many ways uh, and will also draw a lot of attention on both sides of the border. And we always have to remind ourselves where Houston is located and there is there's a lot of connections there, which would be beneficial to the Dynamo as well. But Hector Herrera, the player, the person, what has been your reaction? He, well, he, you, yeah, you said it. He's going to be a huge part of uh, the success or or not success. <laughs> Uh, over the next couple of years of Houston. That, that's the reality. Um, last year was a tough, uh, a tough look at, at MLS for him, right? He comes in. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team that's been losing. Uh, it, it's one that has, you know, uh, he's got the World Cup on the horizon. He's picked up an injury or two. So it was a really, I think, a, a, you know, I, I – I'm not putting too much stock in that Hector Herrera. Um, and uh, so far, my dealings with him, uh, first and foremost as a person, is authentic and genuine and caring about this project. Um, you know, he, he, he understands uh, the responsibility that he has uh, and, and the responsibility that, that, that Houston has put on him, big contract, big name, come here. Um, and he, he's a winner and he wants to have success and he understands this is part of his legacy uh, and, and part of his career and how he does here um, uh, says a lot about him. So he gets it. Uh, but it's also not always just about Hector. It's about us supporting Hector. It's it's not about, hey, Hector, take us to the promised land. Like, that's unfair. Um, you know, he, he, we need to make sure we're surrounding him with, the right support system from a, a technical staff, from a culture, from player support, uh, guys that are at a certain level that complement him as well, uh, so we can have success on the field. Because again, he can't he can't do it all himself in the way that I can't. I'm not the I'm not the saving grace for this club either. This is going to be collective. Uh, but again, I, I've been thrilled to work with him so far. Um, I really enjoyed my chats. Now it's also a honeymoon, right? We're hmm. we're undefeated. Uh, we are flying right now. No, you know, no goals against. Everything's fine. So, uh, it, we're, <laughs> congratulations. We're, we're, yeah, we're we're doing we're doing great. So yeah, that's gonna that'll change. We'll go through some tough times, and that's when we're really gonna have to lean on Hector as a leader for the club, and 
to 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 help us go through some tougher times. And and it's a transition team. We've got a lot of new players. I think it will be 10 to 12 new players when all is said and done. A bunch of new starters, uh, a brand new staff. Uh, so there is a lot of change going on. And I'm, that's not an excuse for how quickly this will happen. But it is certainly a reality that it's going to it's going to take some time and we're going to go through some rough patches. But as long as, uh, you know, we continue to focus on the foundation uh, and getting the foundation right from a player standpoint and culture, I think uh, we'll be able to turn the turn the um, turn the fortunes here. And you and you have some great. Play- I mean, Seba Ferreira is a guy I think a lot of people are excited to see this season. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Coco Carasquilla, and I think he's going to be his breakthrough name. So we, we already saw that last year, season as well. Right. And you mentioned the the strategy to support Hector Herrera and these other guys. Give us an idea of what you guys were looking for to to bolster it, because we also have to keep in mind of League's Cup and expanded uh, season for many for all teams, uh, and certainly the Dynamo included. So, what was the strategy there? Well, we're, we're, one, we're looking for the best players possible in each position. Um, you know, I also have been around long enough to know that a lot of times the, 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 the team with the best roster wins the game. And so it's also important as much as we talk about structure and identity and culture and all this stuff. uh, We also have to have really good talented players and some game changers. Uh, But within that, we're also looking for, winners and guys that come from cultures that uh, have won before and understand what it takes and what it looks like. So we think with some of the turnover, uh, and, and let me just say on some of the turnover, it's not bad players. They're not bad people, the guys we've moved. I, I just think it's also important to when, when you, when, when there's a, a little bit of a losing uh, momentum somewhere, so just fresh blood hmm. is also really helpful in a process in, in rebuilding. And that happened once or twice with DC when we, you know, kind of had to reset uh, after a year that didn't go so well. And, and we always, um, so I, I've kind of been through that a little bit before, and I'm hoping that uh, we can replicate some of that turnover w- with fresh blood. Uh, I love what you did at the fullbacks with uh, Smith and Escobar. So there's a, it's a, it's an exciting group, certainly to, uh, the Dynamo certainly a club we're going to tune into earlier in the season, and hopefully late in the season with with growing success. Uh, developing players is another aspect, and when it comes to Texas, you know everyone looks at Dallas. They are the the gold standard when it comes to their academies and developing players. Uh, MLS Next Pro is here. You're going to have your hands on, and obviously you mentioned your staff. They're going to have a hands on. Um, but what are your is your expectations for that South Texas? Uh, area the marketplace where you might be able to find we've seen some guys come through there where you might be able to find the next great dynamo player through your region through an academy well we haven't we haven't sold enough players uh we you know for for the wealth of talent that we have in this area uh and texas in general uh, we have to we have to do better we all know that it's, it's something we speak about um austin is, is is kind of revamping theirs and really pushing the envelope Dallas, everybody talks about, uh, but there's enough players in Texas for all of us to uh, not only develop, but also sell players on uh, that ultimately helps you in the first team, whether you develop them and they're playing for you. Great. If they play for you and now they're too good for you essentially, and they're getting bought even better. So we, you know, you see some of the teams that are doing really well in this league 
they're able to do that. They're able to sell and put money back into the team. So now they're deeper uh, and their they're, they're, they're first team talent levels uh, that much, much more high. So uh, it, it, it's a big part of it. We have a, a great staff that I've been kind of working with. I'm, I'm big in the integration of first team, second team, right on through. Uh, I love meeting the academy coaches and, and they have an open invitation to first team trainings. And as we go, we'll, we'll be more collaborative with them. Kenny Bundy's done a great job. Uh, I have him out every day at training, helping us in this transition. He knows this team very well from last year. He's the D2 head coach, but he's also been working with us um, daily and helping me transition. So a uh, big shout out to him on, on, on helping. Uh, so that, that, that is, uh, I think a big part of what it, it, I'm not sure it happened in the past as much, but we have to be collective and that that's a good starting point. It's a neat facility here. I'm not used to it where D2 is right next door. Uh, the academy's right next door as well. The dash is here. Uh, so there's this campus feeling and family uh, orientation of this uh, of, of the Houston Dynamo, the Houston Dynamo family. Uh, I love it because I love people. I, I love being, uh, you know, having the energy of the dash coming through and the, the young kids coming up and watching training and having the D2 staff out there. And um, I, I, I think it's a big part of our culture here that we have to take advantage of. That's such a great word, what you used, campus. And I think that just really plugs into the kids because, yeah, they get to see the Dynamo, they get to see this great stadium, the proximity. And and some of the – watching the Houston Dash, a club with its success and seeing some of the players there, it's just a an, a, an added bonus. So i got to check it out a little bit more. But, uh, Ben, I hope the power's back on. But before I part ways, how, did you get to watch a fair amount of World Cup? Yeah, enough, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Any thoughts about the U.S. performance? Did you, did you a, a few moments where you jumped out of your chair? Did you get enough to see that? I did get, you know, I did get those games, you know, for sure. You know, and I made sure I blocked those out. And uh, You just, you weren't getting up at 4 a.m. to watch um, no, 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 Morocco, no. Canada. And, uh, and it just seemed like, you know, every time, you know, it was like, watch us and, you know, or watch, you know, the Morocco. And it was like, you know, it it was work. It was work time. And, but I, I got enough in there. Uh, but again, the focus was, you know, we're, our focus was with the, with, with Houston. So I didn't watch it like I did some other world cups. Um, uh, but I, I, I thought we did very well, you know, uh, it would have been nice to, you know, move on. And, and, and I thought the Dutch had a really interesting game plan and threw us for a little bit of a loop there. Uh, but, you know, again, it's, you, you know, you, you take advantage of the first goal there with Polisic in that game and it's a whole different ball game. Now they have to come out a little bit and chase the game. And uh, so it's still a, a matter of making plays when you have them. And, you know, that part, you know, is sometimes about uh, hopefully in four years, we're able to take those moments a little bit better. But overall, I do think, um, you know, this this kind of idea of, changing the way people look at American soccer, uh, you know, dominating the game and, and making teams adapt to us in the way we go about it and some of the bravery that I think they showed and um, that, that Greg put out there. Uh, I, 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 was, I was proud of it at, at the end, disappointed. And, of course, you know, even coaches are, are Monday morning quarterbacks and we, we have our 
ideas, but I think Greg did a great job. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you across the board there. And I love the, the, the Dutch lesson because we've played so few World Cup games. You know, it's like what, 10, what, like 15, 20 games in the history of our World Cup. So that's just a game that you put in the, you know, in the chamber and you look back at it and say, one day they'll adapt to us. But in the meantime, we've got to be leery of all of that. And by the way, do you get up any at like 4 a.m. to on occasion to see your former club, Nottingham Forest, are doing okay? You know, they're, 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 you know, this Peacock's great. You know, I, I, I get the games and, and I get alerts, you know, when Forrest comes on and it's fun, you know, it's fun. Again, I, I, I have such a small, like, sliver of that club in so many ways. But uh, for my two and a half months that I was there. You're always, uh, you're I, always part of that. I, I, I really, I, I had such a great, you know, I ended up breaking my ankle there and kind of derailing the career, but I wouldn't take it back. Just a glimpse of, European soccer in uh, uh, in a great city, and uh, it's nice to see them back where they belong. It's a great city; they 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 belong in the Premiership, and uh, yeah. hopefully they can hopefully they can uh, stay in it this year. Yeah, I always wanted to see a game there because you look at that on the map, and it's surrounded by all these great soccer cities, and it's it has that history as well. And by the way, Ben, they're spending fifty million dollars these days on midfielders just to show you what's going on. We were yeah. born in the wrong period, or certainly you were. <laughs> Yeah, I was 50,000. 50, <laughs> That's not true. Hey, Ben, love chatting with you, man. Incredible knowledge. And I got I'd certainly get smarter with every moment I get the chance to spend with you. Hopefully I can do it a little bit more. Hopefully I get the rest of training in. And again, thanks for joining me here today. Okay, brother. We'll talk soon. Ben Olson. We'll be back here with Stoppage Time with an American Soccer Update here on the Soccer OG. stoppage time and this is kind of a bit of a hodgepodge as a few similar yet different topics to discuss as it applies to the u.s men's national team wednesday they have a game against serbia at bmo state doing the health sports park over saturday they take on colombia i'll be at the game against serbia as i said earlier so come by and say hello the uh it's going to be our first game in the anthony hudson era and we'll talk about him as well, but I want to start from the beginning because the move with regards to Brian McBride obviously was pretty significant because Brian McBride did not resign. He did not... Um, who would want to leave that position ahead of the biggest three years in the history of U.S. soccer? He was only there for two years. We don't know exactly what took place, but... Nothing, there wasn't any smoke until there was the fire of the Claudio Reyna slash Danielle Reyna approach to Ernie Stewart about playing their son, Gio, who's also involved in this as well. So to me, and I, you know, I'm speaking freely here, it's just, they, I feel that that was part of everything that happened. Now we know the pecking order at U.S. soccer. You have the, the president, which is Cindy Parlo-Cohn. You have the sporting director, Ernie Stewart. You have Brian McBride, who was the general manager, who was responsible overseeing the coach, which was Greg Berhalter. The investigation continues with Greg Berhalter, um, you know, the target of this. So he uh, he is being viewed to see if he was wronged. That is I, what U.S. soccer is doing and probably why he's still in the position he is right now, where he's not the U.S. manager, but he hasn't been uh, jettisoned either. He is there waiting. They're definitely waiting for the findings of this investigation, and then they'll move forward, my guess, as they part ways with Greg Berhalter. 
this is probably coming from Cindy Parlo Cohn, who wants to cl- clear out a little bit because of the unsavory nature of what happened. And maybe it's just something closer to having some kind of clean break. Uh, I, I think it's in their best interest if her case is, if her view is that to kind of clear out and McBride and Burhalter, obviously the, the people. Uh, Ernie Stewart, I think it would be difficult to replace all three because that's what you do when you're Mexico right now and nothing's going right result-wise. That's not the case for the United States. So Ernie Stewart, I think, will maintain that and will start the look of this coach. You know, we heard this rumor about Zinedine Zidane. We heard about Jose Mourinho, which is, you know, I'm looking on Twitter. It seems like that's catching some, uh, it's catching some steam. Uh, we heard everyone talking about it. You know, men and blazers talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. And even Football Americas found an old quote that he said, Jose Mourinho said he liked to finish his career, something along those lines, coaching the national team in the United States. I uh, can tell you, I used to go down to UCLA and follow Chelsea training. You, I, I've never seen him in other situations, but it's hard to see him happier than he was on the UCLA campus. I can't explain it, but he loved it. So maybe that's something that will lure him into uh, the United States. Um, means he probably won't live in Chicago. He wants to live in LA. But if you're if you're the U.S. men's national team coach, you could live out here. As many have been connected, uh, you know, a lot of training goes on in at Digney Hill Sports Park. It's kind of a, you know, a secondary U.S. camp, and that's where they're training in LA right now. Uh, I, I'm just this is still a, a long shot because you know, uh, and I was Lander Shaleckins, and I know I mispronounced his name, who writes for the Athletic, a great American sports writer. He had an article about how this is going to be a really difficult job to fill. Nobody wants it. And I'm like, they may not want it because they're not going to pay. He he went through the list of club coaches that maybe the U.S. want to pursue and to see if they would consider it. And they all talk about, you know, Mourinho at one point made $25 million. Most of these guys are making $10, $12 million. I don't know. Was it, uh, uh, Antonio Conte, was he making like this crazy amount of money for these coaches? But these are high profile, high stress positions and they want to be you know it's it's, it's soccer 101 we know you want to be a, a coach and your your options for national team are much slimmer and you see a lot of guys go from one spot to another ricardo gareca goes from peru to ecuador these kind of things so guys who've managed teams are moving to other national teams they're not uh, Roberto Martinez going from belgium to portugal you're not really going outside you're not getting eyes from the club game we understand that but to the point that nobody wants this job, I, I, I have issue with that. Are you telling me if, if they can make the money good enough, you are going to take over a national team where you don't have to qualify for the World Cup. You're already qualified. Uh, he was talking about the burden, and he was talking about Lexi Alalis, if you can call it a burden, about having to really sell U.S. soccer, make media appearances, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, is that really a deterrent? Don't you think a coach would want to make his name being the guy in the biggest stretch of American soccer history in a growing soccer market, wanted to be the manager, make keep up appearances to talk to people about his national team, which is in no risk of not qualifying for the World Cup. You're going to be based on performance about these games. You might lose them, but you're not going to lose the job. There's no shot unless things just absolutely bottom out. You don't have to worry about qualifying. You got to win some things along the way. But you can't tell me that Jose Mourinho or another coach wouldn't want this job. It's a good gig. 
you are good. When 2026 rolls around, the world's eyes are going to be set on the United States and their national team and their coach. They're going to open up the World Cup, be the first game, all the venues, etc. I find it hard to believe that anyone would think that there's guys that don't want it. A, I understand that they don't want to leave the club job. I understand that uh, the money might not be right. I think I heard Greg Berhalter makes $1.3 million. Jose Mourinho is not going to work for that. Jurgen Klinsmann, I believe, made upwards of three. But if you get in that area, then that with some of the other aspects to this would make it appealing if you give them enough power. And all of a sudden, Jose Mourinho to me sounds like a lot. You're looking at these, these issues and it, they're making a lot more sense that they might fall into place. So don't be surprised. <laughs> he said it himself. And he loves the United States. And he knows, if anyone knows, and he's done it all in the club game. I mean, he's doing well at Roma. But, I mean, I've, I've been surprised because his previous stops of Tottenham Hotspur and the back end of Manchester United were rough and it looked like the shine was off. But he's found his, granted for a less competitive league, don't shoot me City off fans, the league, by the way, has been laboring. It's been a hard watch. Milan is down, Juventus is down, 15 points down. And it's come down to Napoli. I think Roma could be in second place if they beat Napoli over the weekend. Didn't see that coming. Now, will Mourinho leave? And if he's in second place, he ain't leaving. But maybe he tells the U.S. will take over that job in the summer and get some things put into place. I think it has a shot now. And I wouldn't have said that two days ago. And maybe it's someone else. But I want people to know, this is a good job. This is a good job, especially now. Not always, especially now. And you're taking over a team with talent and a lot more talent coming along the way. And it's exciting to be part of it. This is a program in the ascendancy. So there is enough connection there to tell me that there might be some truth to this. So stay connected. Now, I want to get back to Gio Reyna. Scored an amazing goal and had a celebration. And I've been following some folks on Twitter who say some of the older generation are upset with Gio and how it went down. And I get that. And now they're not happy with how Gio Reyna celebrated. I know Alexi said something along those lines. I read an article of Kevin Baxter saying he's a malcontent and a spoiled brat, blah, blah, blah. Not those exact words, but you get the idea. He did the Memphis Depay celebration, which was so loaded because it went back to Greg Berhalter saying we don't have a Memphis Depay. Should have G- was that petty by Gio? Yes. Is it okay to express himself? Absolutely. I like players that express themselves. I kind of enjoyed it. It made me laugh. And he could do it. But more than anything, him doing it told me that maybe he knows something we don't. And then Greg Berhalter is on his way out. Why would you do that to a coach that's going to be your national team coach when you return? Right? You kind of have to play good unless he knows something. This is fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating what's going on with U.S. soccer. And I'm just thrilled that I'm here and I get to talk to you about it. But the Gio <laughs> celebration, I mean, he may know nothing. I'm just reading into it a little bit. Gio Reyna is going to have a great career with the U.S. team. Playing, you know, when you see him and one of the great stars of the world game, Jude Bellingham, celebrating with him to win a game 4-3 for Borussia Dortmund, you start saying to yourself, this guy is special. He's made some mistakes. He needs to wise up. He's a kid. That's all right. I mean, his behavior at the World Cup really was... I hated it. I hated it. Walking through that hotel, rushing to get to his hotel room because he didn't want to party with the rest of his teammates. And all the reports about 
making a scene. And this is not just Greg Berhalter. Other teammates said it. Just carrying on and just being a wet blanket there. That's got to stop. But you forgive him because of his age. And because of the talent. So, uh, again, these are things that are unfolding before us. Uh, and We thought things would slow down after the World Cup. Not in one iota. It's actually even more electrifying. Uh, you know, Christian Pulisic looking for a new club. Weston McKinney, as we said at the beginning, looking like he's going to be heading to Leeds. Maybe he's at Leeds by the time you hear this podcast. Jose Mourinho situation. Uh, it, it goes on and on. And more American players are making their move to these very competitive leagues, including the Premier League. So uh, we're very excited <laughs> to cover it all. USA will be playing on Wednesday against Serbia. And Anthony Hudson is in charge. And he, you know, if there is, if whatever happens to Anthony Hudson, you know, and I, I, people were saying that Dave was, Dave Sarakin, who was the interim coach after Bruce Arena and before Greg Berhalter integrated some of these players early on, uh, which wasn't Dave Sarakin. That was from the top. That's from U.S. Soccer asking them to do this. And U.S. Soccer probably helped Anthony Hudson. I can't imagine Anthony Hudson who, has mentioned he's very close with Greg Berhalter and communicates with him all the time. When the selections were made for this squad, and it surprised a lot of people because it was a young team. He had a a World Cup core, Zimmerman and Aaron Long and a few others, uh, Kellen Acosta, and then you have these young guys to come in. And there's two games, so most of these young guys are going to play. Uh, Gaga Slonina in goal, uh, La Senora, um... Alejandro Zentejas, Cade Cowell, uh, Paxton Aronson. So was this Anthony Hudson's decision? No. This is probably from the Federation. See if we can get these young players. But he was involved in seeing, you know, identifying who is talented. But he took a big part. But maybe this is the legacy we get from Anthony Hudson, that he was the starting point for one, two, or many of these players at this January camp to get into the national team. And here's a great example. He said he was, it was shocking and amazing that Club America released Alejandro Zendejas for international duty. Alejandro Zendejas, one of three high-profile dual national, Jonathan Gomez and Brandon Vasquez. Brandon Vasquez is going to play, I think, start that first game and could really seize the opportunity. They can't cap-tie these guys, cap-tie. But if, you know, Mexico is serious about Alejandro Zendejas and in the middle of their season... I mean, their season just started. Why are they letting him out? This is bizarre. And I, like, Club America's got to do Mexico a solid because he's he's been fantastic in Liga MX. Mexico's looking for talent. You can't let that go by. Why is he here? I'm going to give Anthony Hudson the credit for that because I don't know who else to. So the fact that Alejandro Zendejas and he's gone Brandon Vasquez. And these guys play. Imagine they combine on a goal against Serbia Wednesday night. I think that game's on HBO Max. Again, if you're in L.A., come out and see it. It's a really exciting game all of a sudden. So now U.S. soccer, instead of sitting on their laurels, get games where no one else is getting games. It's a Serbia team that's very, very young. They have, I think, four combined caps between their three MLS players. Everyone else is a youth player from the Serbian leagues. And I think we're going to see some good young Serbian talent. They are developing a lot as you look at the world stage. But you have the three MLS-based players. Dejan Jovalic, 
uh, Ranko Veselinovich and Georgi Petrovich, the goalkeeper for New England. They're all going to start. Veselinovich starts for Vancouver. Yoelich, um, a high-scoring forward for the LA Galaxy. And then it's a bunch of kids. The Colombian team has a lot more talent there, a lot of MLS-based talent. There's a lot of good Colombians at play here, and we already talked about it on the podcast. So these, these are the only teams, this is the only show in town for international football. So, and you have the under-20s in South America. That doesn't quite count. And uh, seize this opportunity. And we are thrilled. I think everyone was surprised with the roster. It was a gift. It wasn't just the older guard give them another run. This is to see what these guys have. And you're preparing these guys eventually for the Olympic Games. You're preparing them for the under-20 World Cup. There are some guys eligible for the under-20 World Cup on this team. We will see who they are. So it's like a lot of sliding doors for U.S. soccer. This door leads to the next. Who knows what happens? But I know by the end of the week, we'll have a few more answers. We might have a better idea who's going to be the coach of the national team. We will... uh, We'll have an idea of whether Zendejas and Jonathan Gomez and Brandon Vasquez are going to lean a little closer to the U.S. We'll see if there's more shedding at U.S. soccer. And we we'll certainly keep an eye on Cindy Parlocone and Ernie Stewart and everyone else on that stage. Soccer OG podcast available where all podcasts are available. Check out this one. Check out the ones in our our library, you're welcome to them. Check out the Soccer OG under my name on YouTube, Max Bretos, for all the latest. It is always a pleasure to be with you guys. Come out Wednesday night. We'll see you there for some U.S. soccer. It's chilly in Los Angeles, by the way, if you're traveling. If you're here already, well, there it is. Enjoy the beautiful game. And we'll be back again. Some great guests coming up next week. And we're going to watch a lot more football. But we have some international football to look forward to as well so we'll talk to you then and as i always like to say when i sign off every week placido domingo